Live from New York City, it's The Gary Knoll Show. Your host, Gary Mill. Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Nice to have you with us today. We're going to do something a little different today. A lot of people have not gone over to watch our classroom on the air. And I, every day I do a different classroom. Uh, for example, I just did one on how do you know if you've met someone that is the perfect match for you in life. Some people will call it their soulmates, whether you believe that or not. You're just really in harmony when you initially meet, but then something happens and that ends. So I went through a complete analysis of what happens to cause most relationship to end, and there's, is there ever a chance in the future to reconnect with that? Even though we've lived different lives, years have passed, maybe even decades, and I showed the hope for that to actually occur if you understand what the problem was originally, which most people don't. That's just one, and I just did this this week, and it was about uh, almost 40 minutes long. Some of my classrooms on the air are 20 minutes, some are an hour. But every one of them is meant to help inspire you to think deeper and to help you with some of the common problems we all face every day. It's an empowering video. The last time I was live on Facebook, which was about eight years ago, I had about eight million people that day watching and tuning in. And people said, why'd you stop? You know, I had to stop because of the success of the program, literally. And it's one of those things you never think about. But I'll just share this with you before we get into our class on the air, because instead of health and nutrition that I would normally do, I'm going to do a classroom on the air on headaches. How about that? Now, maybe you're fortunate enough never to have a headache, but an awful lot of people have headaches at different times of the year for different reasons. And maybe this is the information you can share with them to help them with their headache. Everything I'm about to share is on our classroom on the air, and uh, it's all fully footnoted. All my information comes from the National Library of Medicine, PubMed. So it's orthodox medicine. And that was kind of the irony. The best the best rationale, the best evidence for alternative and complementary, more natural uh, health and healing comes from the comes from the journals of Orthodox medicine. Yeah. So it's not a wives' tale, even though those have a lot of merit. In any case, what was happening is this that I was answering so many people's questions that people weren't coming because I'd posted an article or video, and there were millions upon millions of people downloading my videos uh, on uh, Facebook, but because, give you one example, true story, I would have a person write in, hey Gary, I listen to your show all the time, thanks for all the information, really helped me. My mother has such and such condition, could you help with that? Give a protocol. Okay, now here's what the average person doesn't realize. They're not the only person asking for help that day. And I always try to prioritize the help. 
if someone has, you know, what do I do? I've got a fungus under my toenail. Okay, there's a protocol for that. And then someone else says, I've just been sent home, either to go into hospice care at home or hospice care at the hospital. And I've been told, put my life in order. Is there anything? I don't want to die. Anything that could help me? Well, I choose a priority. I'm going to choose to save the person's life. And that's what I do. But then you don't realize how many people are terminally ill or seriously ill. And whatever they're doing with multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, is not working. And then a lot of daughters and sons of parents suffering from dementia don't realize what's involved till suddenly they're waking up all hours of the night and there's your mom dressed, fully dressed, makeup and all, and going out the door at 3 o'clock in the morning. True story, by the way. And uh, so you get up, jump out of bed, and you say, Mom, where are you going? Oh, I'm going home. But Mom, you are home. No, I'm, I'm going home. And then you realize, wow. And then one day you wake up and you go over to give your dad some breakfast. And, Who are you? He says, I'm, I'm your daughter. You're not my daughter. Yeah, I'm your daughter. True story. I've counseled thousands of people, generally in their 50s, some in their 40s, who had to spend the next 5, 10, or 15 years taking care of a parent. And it's an extremely stressful situation. You have no idea. Especially when they're incontinent at any place, at any time, and you're not expecting it. Whoa, and you've got to clean that mess up. Yeah, or the all-night screamers. In fact, uh, a person that came to a retreat uh, and then brought their mother after the retreat was over, uh, the mother would scream all night long. That poor woman had to take care of her mom that wasn't getting sleep. Her own immune system was stressed. And all the people who are caregivers, their immune systems are stressed and are prematurely aging. So what do we do? Well, I create protocols. I do clinical studies to try to help find ways of helping people. But imagine that in one week, you get 400 requests for end-stage illnesses or serious illnesses, and the persons are at their wit's end. These are all legitimate. How many can you answer? So every morning at 4 o'clock in the morning when I get up, I would spend at least the first hour answering as many as I could. In the evening, after I counseled people in my office over in 83rd and Broadway at that time, uh, I would still try to go online and answer these. Well, then three days go by, and then the first person says, Gary, you know, what happened? You know, I, I asked you about my mom. You know, please, get back to me immediately. And they don't realize that there's over 24,000 people waiting for responses, and every day it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And you can't deal with all of it. And you put out messages. You let people know. I'm sorry, there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so much time I can spend on this. I still have all these other responsibilities every day. But they don't care about that. People care about their question. And by a week, suddenly you're getting hate mail from the very person. I thought you were a real nice person, a good person I see or not, you know. And then, then the hate comes. And one day I just said, Enough. And I looked up and there was a little circle on my computer showing me how many people, 7.8 million that moment. And I thought, oh my goodness, 
This is a tsunami of request. Everybody wants personal attention. So I just said, that's it. I shut it down. And uh, I still get thousands of requests for help, and I try to answer as many as I can. But that's why I'm no longer on Facebook. So, when I do a classroom on the air, it's with the assumption that you're going to be able to say, hmm, okay, I've got, I've got fatigue. Maybe that'll help me. Or I don't have fatigue. I'm really healthy, but my mom has fatigue. Maybe that'll help her. And that's why the books I've written, like The Complete Encyclopedia of Natural Healing, Get Healthy Now for Women Only, all these books on diabetes, on cancer, over 103 books, they're all, except for four, are reference books. And the other four, I'm actually doing a new version of completely a sequel to Living in the Moment, Prescription for the Soul, that helps you at a completely different level, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually. In any case... So when I'm sharing information, please go, Gary Nall, YouTube, and look under my classroom on the air. And if you can't do that, go to Odyssey or go to Rumble. They're there as well. Because they're really everything you could possibly know on a topic I try to give you. So right now, I'm going to share with you what those of you who haven't gone over, probably 95% of this audience, are missing. Oh, and one other thing. In my entire career, I've never once, not once, uh, bragged about you know my achievements. If I share, share, uh, share something, it's always because there's a lesson within what I'm sharing. For example, when I, uh, when my buddy Franco Pantoni and I trained for a year to do the uh, 40k national championship, which is 20 point. Uh, uh, 24.8 miles, almost a marathon. The first six miles were completely uneventful, and we were exactly seated where we were told we would come in at the end because they took our best times ever and then said, you're, you're 67th and your buddy Franco is 68. So there were, I guess, about 137 or so, uh, more or less, top athletes, all champion athletes, because nobody goes to do a, almost a marathon which is a championship race. It's not like the New York Marathon where you can just have fun and do it because, well, you needed to climb that mountain in life to show you could do anything. And by the way, I just spoke with Luann last night, and she reminded me. She said, you know, Gary, I was just thinking, I remember coming to a running club meeting, and you brought me over, and you said, by the way, let's all congratulate Luann on doing this uh, week's marathon. It was Wednesday. The marathon was on Sunday. And she's never trained for it. She hasn't run one mile. But she's going to do it. She's going to feel great about it. And we're all going to be there to support her. <laughs> and she said, my God, it scared me to death. What do you mean I'm going to do a marathon? I've never even trained, you know. And I said, you'll do it. And she did it. And she did it in good time. And there were a bunch of athletes from the group that did it with her. And, uh, and she said, that when I got home that day, as sore as I was, I realized I could do anything now. And that literally, literally changed the direction of her life. She was working as a nurse administrator, the head of all the nursing over at Long Island Jewish Hospital for 18 years, very financially secure. But it was, it was killing her. It was not the job she should have had. Remember, 
the five principles of succeeding in life, you've got to be in the right place at the right time with the right idea, the right support system, be the right person. If all five of those are in harmony, you go, you go, it's got, doors are going to open. But if any one of those is not what it should be, all your efforts will be for naught. And in any case, she was not working at the right job. She did not have the right support system. How many times did I hear her say, we're not, we're not healing any of the patients with AIDS. They're dying. And uh, she didn't have the right support system. She didn't have the right idea. And at that time, she wasn't the right person. So nothing was working for her. And she was dying. She had three killing diseases. But during that marathon, she was able then to say, I can do anything. And she did. So insecurity and fear no longer blocked her path in life. And now today, after 30 years since that change, she is considered America's leading holistic nurse. And uh, she's asked to uh, discuss this and lecture all over the United States. And she's helped a lot of you out there as well. So what I'm saying is, ask yourself, are you doing the right job? The one you should be doing? Is this your passion? What's your heart tell you you should do? Because your heart is your intuition. Your intuition is what guides us at a deeper level when we know the truth and we act upon it or we don't. And then are you in the right place at this time? Maybe you were up to this now, now, but now it's not the right place to be. And who's supporting you? Who's right with you? Not to criticize you or demean you or limit you, but to say, yeah, you go for it. And are you ready? Are you ready and willing to put your illusions, your false beliefs, your tribal instincts behind you and look at the world with the clarity of an oracle, someone who can see the truth in everything and everyone and not be persuaded by propaganda, by threats, and by fear to make the wrong choices. That's what you need in order to overcome all illnesses. And that's why I've done more um, motivational tapes than I have documentaries and or health information. And that's why this classroom on the air is so important. That said, now I'm giving you a little background because of, if I don't give you the context why I'm doing something and what I'm doing and what its purpose is and why you can benefit from it, then you're going to miss that opportunity. So if you have a headache, I'm going to share a classroom now. Each year, a large number of Americans are plagued by headaches. And while sometimes the degree of severity is trivial, at other times headaches can lead to excruciating agony. There are two basic categories of headaches. There are tension headaches. And boy, haven't people been experiencing tension headaches because of all the tension, all the stress. And then there are migraines. Tension headaches are common to everyday life and are usually associated with the sensation of pressure or like a band-like tightness on either side of the head. Migraines, on the other hand, do not occur on a daily basis and are characterized by intense discomfort, starting with a slight throbbing sensation. Migraines can rapidly crescendo into an oppressive pounding in the head. The number of Americans affected by migraines, according to the National Headache Foundation, is around 28 million, of which 11 million are victimized by chronic migraine. 
And since hormones play a decisive role in the onset of migraines, an overwhelming majority, about 20 million, of migraine sufferers are women. Now, clinical evidence shows that migraines are brought on by an abrupt dilation of the blood vessels, which burdens the brain with excessive amounts of pressure. This can be caused by a variety of conditions. Migraine is classified as a hereditary disease. When both parents suffer from migraines, the odds are 75% that the children will also be victimized by migraines. First of all, all migraines are commonly exacerbated by allergic reactions to elements in the diet or environment. So if you had a really good diet and you tested your diet using the cocoa pulse test, so you knew that what you were consuming was not going to cause an allergic reaction, that diminishes the likelihood of those migraines. What is the cocoa pulse test? It was based upon a Dr. Coco who said, here's what you do, and it works. In bed in the morning, without getting up, when you wake up, you take your pulse and write it down. Let's say it's 80 beats per minute. Then, on the bedside table, or you have someone bring you one single item of food. Let's say it might be a glass of milk, or it might be a piece of bread, uh, or an apple, non-organic. So it might take you a month or longer to get all of this done, but each day you take a small piece, you don't even have to swallow it, chew it up, because there are receptors under the tongue that are reacting to what chemicals are in that food, and then you don't get out of bed for 20 minutes. You don't move around for 20 minutes. You can swallow the food or spit it out. But then in 20 minutes, you take your pulse again. Now, if you're not reactive, it should be about the same, somewhere between 78 and 80, 80 beats per minute. Well, let's just say that it goes up. It goes up to 85, 90 beats per minute. Then make a note of that because there's a high probability you're allergic to that. Even if it's a healthy food, you can still be allergic to it. For example, I was allergic to apples, and every time I'd have an apple, my cheeks would get very red, uh, my ears would get red, and uh, I could feel it in my throat. Then one day, I was up looking at a farm to buy with some buddies. We were going to buy a farm, turn it into a homestead. And uh, it was an orchard, and it set up on a hill in Goshen, New York, beautiful surroundings. And the farmer there didn't spray his apples. And we're walking through the orchard and I see all these apples. I said, sir, could we, you know, have an apple? Yeah, thousands. He said, sure. So I said, what the heck? I know what's going to happen, but I just want one of these apples. So I got the apple and ate it. No reaction. I thought, well. So he said, take one home and on the way home, I ate another apple. Again, no reaction. So the next day, I'm walking up Broadway towards my office, and I stop off at a stand, I buy an apple, get in the office, wash it off, eat it, immediate reaction. I thought, well, that's strange. So then I took the apple over to the laboratory where I was a senior research fellow scientist, and I analyzed it and had a paraffin wax on it, and meaning it wasn't in season. Remember, most apples are not sold fresh when they're harvested. They are... Uh, they are sprayed with a paraffin wax, and there's lots of pesticides sprayed on apples, and then they're stored at a cold temperature, below 55 degrees, and they can last for a year. So the apples you buy are frequently 
long after harvest unless you get a fresh apple in August or September, October. So anyhow, I then did the cocoa pulse test, and sure enough, my pulse went up. So I was not allergic to apples. I was allergic to what was sprayed on the apple. So that's one more reason to buy organic produce wherever possible or wash it thoroughly to disinfect any pesticide or sprays that might have been used. Dietary reactions include allergies to foods and artificial food additives and food combinations. So if, you, if you're not having a reaction, make note, I can eat that food. But if your blood pulse goes up, then you'll test that later. Later in the week, you'll have a large quantity, like you'll have a whole glass of milk instead of just a sip of milk. And then if your pulse goes up real high, then get rid of that. Then you go on a rotational diet where you don't have dairy in your diet at all. You can have rice milk, almond milk, coconut milk, but not cow's milk. So reactions to alcoholic beverages, even low alcohol, especially red wine and beer, are very common. And those are major triggers. Why? Because there's a reaction to triamine, uh, excuse me, tyramine, T-Y-R-A-M-I-N-E, which is amino acid, and monosodium glutamate. Tyramine is an amino acid found in cheese and yogurt and yeast and smoked fish. And while MSG is a flavor enhancer frequently used in uh, Chinese uh, food and other products, and it's also very common in packaged foods and all processed foods, but it, uh, and it's listed in the, on the label, but not by uh, MSG. It frequently says natural flavors or spices, and that can mean MSG. So if you're not getting all the different spices individually or all the natural flavors, assume that there's MSG in there. In any case, people are generally allergic to wheat, dairy products, eggs, and corn, and they may experience migraines if they indulge in these foods. And sodium nitrate, which is common in most cold cuts in frankfurters, and aspartame, an artificial sweetener that reduces the level of serotonin in the body, have also been implicated in migraines. Furthermore, reactions to caffeinated products, such as coffee, sodas, chocolate, energy drinks, can trigger migraines. And environmental reactions include reactions to hazardous fumes emitted from home furnishings, uh, like particle boards. A lot of people don't realize that some of your furniture can be very cheaply made, and instead of doing wood, um, and the hardest woods are, well, there's ironwood, which is your hardest wood, and uh, that'll never, you'll never break that. You'll probably never be able to lift it either. It's very heavy. But also uh, teak and walnut, ash, cherry, locust, these are very hard woods. But most of the furnishings come with particles of wood, cheap woods that are glued together, and the resin that glues them together, uh, and then they are varnished so you don't know it's a bunch of wood all glued together. That outgasses for years, and a lot of cleaning products uh, outgas. You should have your dry cleaning done free and clear, meaning no chemicals. In fact, I just did a test last week. I took a simple shirt up to a dry cleaner, and I said, uh, I'm going to dry clean it, and, but I'm chemically sensitive. Okay, I've got a back 
terrible, cheap, perfumey smell on it. I had to wash it 10 straight times to get that smell out. Also, your carpeting, because they frequently spray carpeting with a form of formaldehyde to prevent insects, a particular type of weevil, from eating your carpet. But all this stuff is outgassing. And uh, all this can create environmental illness and chronic fatigue syndrome and, uh, and other conditions. So sometimes migraine can result from cranial faults or deformities in the cranial bone structure. And the position of cranial bones can be adversely altered by intense trauma to the head, such as whiplash, uh, being hit on the head, or a birth trauma. And according to the beliefs of Chinese medicine, a meridian balance, which can be diagnosed by an acupuncturist or practicing kinesiologist, can also influence the occurrence of migraines. The meridians, by the way, are a system of 12 bilateral electromagnetic channels of energy within the body. And when energy is entrapped within one of these channels, a meridian dysfunction occurs, and consequently a painful migraine results. Vaccines can also trigger headaches as a side effect, and whether the vaccine reaction represents the initiation of a pattern of chronic headaches should be assessed in individual cases. In fact, there was a 2019 clinical trial published in the Journal of Vaccine found that over 72% of people who were given a 20-valent pneumococcal vaccine experienced systemic events such as headache, fatigue, chills, nausea, vomiting, new muscle pain, aggravated muscle pain, new joint pain, and aggravated joint pain after the injection. The International Brawl-Free Study is an ongoing study to determine the health effects of declining to wear a bra. They have reported preliminary findings that some women who stop wearing bras experience loss of headaches. So exposure to human-made electricity has been observed to produce headaches uh, and visual effects since early electrical experiments in the 18th century. So living within view of electric power transmissions, or now all of those high-voltage 5G towers all over the place. And by the way, for more on that, go to GaryAndAll.com, go to articles, go to 5G, and read all the 10,000 studies showing the adverse effects. Now, had we been made aware of that as a public and had honest public health officials come forward and saying, look, we do not need 5G because as long as we have a wire, a cable, that connects your phone to a transmitter, then you're not getting electromagnetic pulses. But if you want something to go through the air, a wireless transmission, there's a lot of consequences. In fact, uh, in the United Kingdom, a major a television network did a study where they filmed this, where they went into a school with a meter that measures electromagnetic waves and put it right where a child was sitting in front of all the computers, and here are all these desks with all these computers, and they measured how far the child was. And here it just went off the chart into danger zone, the meter. That meant that all those children were experiencing electromagnetic waves going right through their body, and especially into the brain. And then they went backwards and backwards and backwards to the wall. Still, it was dangerous. They went outside the school and started at the back of the wall from the outside, 
and walk backwards and backwards and back. They had to walk clear across a field before the electromagnetic frequency being emanated by every one of those computers was in a safe zone. Wow. When you're on an airplane, when you see a Wi-Fi under every seat, that's emanating the, uh, emitting the electromagnetic pulses. I had a person come to see me. They had been to all these doctors, and the doctors could find nothing wrong with it, said it was psychosomatic, therefore they needed to see a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist suggested medications. The person was withering away. They'd lost a lot of body weight. They look absolutely skeletal. They couldn't function. They couldn't work. They couldn't concentrate. They couldn't sleep. And they couldn't keep food down. So when the person said, I, I only eat organic food and I take some supplements, and I just said, have you looked around your apartment for any form of a wireless electrical outlet? Person says, no. So they called me and says, I don't have any of that. I have a computer. I have a cell phone. I said, well, stop using the cell phone. Leave the computer off for one week. And they said they found some improvement. But some, not a lot. I said, go out and ask your super, they live in an apartment building, what kind of electric measuring is coming into the house? Turned out it was a smart meter. So I said, take a vacation. They had a partner, and I said, get out of the city for a week. One week later, I get a call. I feel completely different. I have my energy back, my appetite back. I don't have the pain. I don't have the pulsing migraine headaches. Wow. I said, you have an environmental sensitivity. As a result, those smart meters are very, very bad for you. And I gave some literature to read on that. In fact, when I came back from New York, I was checking everything for security reasons. And then, lo and behold, I see a new meter. Well, I've got, I've got solar here for 25 years on my house. And uh, so I called the company. I said, you take your smart meter out of here now. And there, they had to. They did. So just understand a lot of your headaches, a lot of your fatigue, a lot of the problems you think, well, it must be in my mind because the doctors can't see anything in my blood. Yeah, these are non-diagnosable by orthodox methods. But just remember, microwave exposure from wireless technologies is associated with headaches, body aches, muscle and joint pains in general, as well as dizziness, vertigo, and visual effects. Headaches are more common in children who are exposed to the radiation from smartphones and, are, and also if the mother was exposed to smartphones prenatally. One study found that the number and severity of migraine headaches were correlated significantly with an increased use of cell phones during the day and the amounts of Wi-Fi used per week, whereas old-fashioned landlines were not. Landline phones must have the earpiece or handset cord connected to their base station, as cordless phones powerfully transmit wireless phones, especially DECT cordless phones. So if you want a phone, use one of these, just a regular old phone, you know? There's nothing pulsing in my head now. That's cell phones or wireless phones. A wireless phone you carry around the house, it may be convenient, 
but it's not healthy. It's not adequate to use phone stickers and harmonizers to prevent 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. All these other conditions are going to happen in your body because of exposure to electromagnetic fields. It is an open question whether these provide any benefits at all. I don't believe they do. So to avoid wireless radiation in a meaningful way, wireless technologies must be replaced with wired technologies. A radio frequency radiation meter, always have one, they're not expensive, and a meter for electric and magnetic fields can help you detect and avoid these fields. So that's important. In fact, I'm sitting in front of a camera. There's high-powered lights. Of course, I don't use makeup. And I have a, a connection over here. I have a monitor there. I have my regular monitor here. And I'm approximately four feet away. Why? Because I'm measured with a meter. So I get no pulses into my body. So I don't have any of this around me. And a lot of people, well, you know, cell phone can be that bad. Yes, it can be that bad. It can lead to brain cancers and jaw cancers. And children are going to bed at night with the laptop on under their pillows, cell phone the same. This is not healthy. All right? And also, as I mentioned earlier, hormones can pay, play a role in causing migraine headaches. 60% of all female migraine sufferers relate the occurrence of migraines to their menstrual cycle. Although the medical community is still uncertain as to the exact relationship between the development of migraines and the level of hormone estrogen in the body, it is evident that this hormone somehow plays a key role in their occurrence. One hypothesis is that estrogen affects the functioning of the nervous system and the level of serotonin in the body a substance that may facilitate the onset of migraines. Women who use birth control pills are more likely to experience acute migraines, while women who have recently experienced menopause are less susceptible to them due to the reduction in quantities of estrogen in their bodies. Reliance upon hormone replacement therapy in postmenopause women can contribute to the reoccurrence of migraines. And a deficiency in magnesium in the blood is another predisposing factor. And as insufficient intake of magnesium has also been correlated with the onset of myofascial disorder known as fibromyalgia that is uh, characterized by migraine-like symptoms. So it's not generally acknowledged, but prescription drugs administered by medical doctors and even over-the-counter drugs can promote migraines. Simple painkillers, including mixed analgesics, um, aspirin, which are supposed to treat headaches, can actually contribute to their onset. In fact, overuse of these products has been cited as the cause of migraines. When painkillers are used in excess, the body becomes accustomed to their presence in the bloodstream and will experience withdrawal symptoms when the supply is depleted. Now, at the time of this broadcast, the website CIDER, S-I-D-E-R, meaning the side effects resource, which provides information on side effects of pharmaceutical products, lists 1,114 medications which have headache as a side effect. Another contributing factor to migraine is a cervical subluxation in the upper portion of the neck. 
uh, conditions common among people who frequently talk on the telephone. You know, they put the phone on one side and who become hunchins staring at a smartphone. And by the way, never, and just watch what I'm doing because I'm, of course, video streaming, never lean forward and put your hand on the palm or your head, a chin on the palm of your hand. All right? Because that can really adversely affect your posture and can create supplication problems in your neck and your back. So simple things that we should understand. For example, there's a small FDA-approved device that your dentist conforms to your front teeth. And it's also worn by your sleep that is designed to combat this teeth clenching is another thing, uh, bruxism. Though it's uh, recommended only for people who will make follow-up visits to their doctor to check their progress. So you see how many different things there are out there that impact this? In fact, that device lessens the strong clenching of the temporal muscles, contact with the upper and lower rear molar and canine teeth, and tension-style migraines that are a result of teeth clenching are hence eliminated or lessened. So if one uses that device and your dentist will make it for you, it's important to consider potential adverse effects to the teeth which need contact with saliva in order to remain well. All right? And uh, so that's just some of the things. Now, and by the way, gluten intolerance may be implicated in some cases of headache, although stress cannot be considered a direct cause of migraines, prolonged exposure to stressful situations and anxiety are compounding the symptoms. Some cases of migraines are preceded by the presence of certain warning signs, including sensation of flashing lights or zigzag lines. The appearance of these ominous warning signs, called an aura, foreshadows the occurrence of a migraine. The actual headache usually occurs within 20 minutes of the warning signs on the opposite side of the head, although the aura is usually characterized by visual stimuli. Sometimes it can take the form of other sensations, like uh, the detection of odor, uh, lingual difficulties, disorientation, tingling, or numbness. So early detection of these warning signs can allow you time to prepare for the onset of the migraine. And unlike regular headaches, migraines are characterized by pain on only one side of the head. In addition, nausea, vomiting, fatigue, and irritability, vision problems, and sensitivity to light and sound are common. So what do we do? Well, most people will take a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication like ibuprofen or special migraine medications that can be used during acute attacks. Muscle tension headaches are commonly treated with minor analgesics and a combination of uh, massages, hot showers, and other muscle relaxation. But there are natural ways to deal with this as well. In fact, a 2023 study found that adherence to the Mediterranean diet is associated with lower headache frequency and duration. And this diet centers around whole grains, legumes, nuts and seeds, and fresh fruits and vegetables and tubers. Yeah, very good. And olives and olive oil. Yeah, and hopefully organic as well. And stay away from pesticide exposure because it can induce headaches as well as other undesirable symptoms. And uh, But then there's other things you can do. So now you know you've got to be on a healthy diet and juicing green juices, chlorophyll-rich juices, the plant pigments, 
uh, like uh, wheatgrass juice. That's good too. You can also use pressure point therapy and there are pressure point therapists that you can go to and help alleviate even the most intense tension headaches. There are several pressure points that promote muscle relaxation. One is in the hand by placing the thumb in the web area between the first and second fingers and applying pressure in the direction of the first finger, headache pain often is lessened or gone altogether in about 15 to 20 seconds. So you can do that. For example, just watch what I'm doing. You open up the hand of yourself or the person and you that web right there, you push the thumb and forefinger together. It'll be a little painful and just count to 15 and that will help block the pain. So, you know, and there are other places of, of you know, a half inch above the eyebrows for several seconds can curb pain of headaches. That's just one way. Massage is another, and, uh, and that can help as well. In fact, there was a randomized controlled trial that found that uh, the traditional Thai massage could be an alternative therapy for chronic tension-type headaches. And reflexology, the practice for reflexology, is founded upon the principle that manipulation of the foot can aid the rest of the body. And therapy for migraines is usually initiated by creating a relaxed environment, which can include using a shallow basin of water to soften and warm the feet. And there are several points in the foot that are involved in the treatment process. The big toe, reflexologists explain, corresponds to the head, while the other toes also relate to the head and to the sinus region. And a ridge located across or just under the toes relates to the neck and soldiers, and the ball of the foot corresponds to the chest and lungs. So getting yourself into the hands of a qualified reflexologist can be one way. And you can learn a lot, a lot about by watching them. And then at home, you can do a lot of that yourself. So reflexology is good. Acupuncture is terrific for all forms of headache. And there's a lot of science behind it. And, uh, and what is also called the emotional freedom technique emotional freedom technique has been found to significantly reduce perceived stress and frequency and intensity of headaches. And there are over 200 uh, different studies on different ways of approaching it. Aromatherapy is another one, combining aromatherapy, just putting some lavender right there on you know, an outfit you're wearing or on a pillow when you're sleeping can help alleviate a lot of headaches. Lavender is probably your single best one for reducing reducing headache. Peppermint oil also is very good and uh, helps tremendously. But there are herbs that make a difference. Aloe vera is especially beneficial in alleviating headaches induced by pollution or acidic foods. The herb feverfew can be used to combat migraines. And uh, there's traditional Chinese medicine that also can be used. The herb, and I'll spell it for you, X-I-A-O, allergy control can help. And then uh, so those are the things you can do that are relatively simple and straight away. Then there's also what is called craniosacral therapy. And uh, there are specialists in this, generally uh, DOs, doctors of osteopathic medicine, is the person who can help that. Because their cranial faults often escape detection due to the subtle motions of the cranial bones. And many people who suffer from migraines with cranial origins have internally rotated frontal bones. And this condition frequently results in the occurrence of migraines accompanied by eye pain. But again, this can be treated by an osteopath. 
and they have all this knowledge of doing it. You know, and the scientific literature on everything I'm saying is replete with all this good information. And then finally, just migraines can also come when you don't have enough nutrients. The number one nutrient, magnesium. I suggest 200 milligrams of magnesium in the morning and 200 milligrams in the early evening. Also, melatonin uh, is good. Vitamin B2 is particularly good in getting off salt because salt, the way we eat it, how much we eat, uh, is really bad and can cause um, can cause migraines. And riboflavin, vitamin B2, is a key player in preventing migraines. So riboflavin, low-salt diet, and, uh, and then you want your mitochondria to be good. And you might have to go up a little higher than normal with some of this, like vitamin B12 helps with migraines. Coenzyme Q10 helps with migraines. And, uh, and then we have butter burr root, B-U-T-T-E-R-B-U-R root, appears to prevent migraines from occurring. And this is, this is because it acts as a antispasmodic on the vascular walls. And there are, again, good studies showing all this. And so glucosamine is good. And uh, I would also possibly stress um, some lemon, and uh, that's good. So just try some of these if you have them and see which one works. Only do one at a time. That can make a difference. Make sure you're getting plenty of vitamin C. And make sure you're checking your blood pressure because high blood pressure can also lead to that. And if that's the case, hyperbaric oxygen therapy has been effective in treating a cluster headache. And uh, and there's a Chinese form of uh, Dong Kwai, and it's called um, Kaiko, K-I-K-O. And that helps migraines. And regular saunas help with reducing headaches and migraines. And hypnosis also works as well. Now, there's a lot more, but it would take me over an hour to go through all of this. Fish oil is also good, easy to get. Pycnogenol. Pycnogenol is derived from the French maritime pine bark, and it's really good at reducing uh, oxidative stress. And also, I would say digital eye strain refers to eye problems arising due to overuse of screens. That can lead to headaches. So just reduce your screen time. And there are filters you can get to filter out blue light. Blue light is very important. You can, if you're going to use computers a lot, then wear blue light, blue light glasses. They don't change you know, uh, your nearsightedness or farsightedness, but they help. Again, easy things to do. I'm just giving you a lot of them. And if this was a complete classroom on the air, I'd give you even more than this. But we're running out of time, and I still have one more thing to share with you today. So now you get an idea that if you haven't been going over to Gary Knoll at uh, YouTube and looking under Classrooms in the Air, I'd like to do things definitively. I'd like to give you a lot of information. And uh, so I've given you a lot right now. And for the final part of our program today, we're going to continue with our showing you the truth about COVID. And this is Professor... Arnie Burkhardt from Germany, and he is one of the world's most respected pathologists. And he is being interviewed by Taylor Hudak 
from the last American Band Vagabond channel. Very good channel. I recommend it. And this is just a part of a two and a half hour interview where he goes into depth about what he found when looking at the, uh, the pathologies of the people who got the vaccine. It's terrifying. Again, information that has been withheld or downplayed, and we should know this. And by the way, at 55 minutes, of, we have to cut away uh, to WBI so they can do their news. But I don't want to break the flow of it, so we're just going to go right to the top of the hour for everyone else. And for those of you listening from BAI, you can go to prn.live, prn.live, so you can hear it clear up to the top of the show. Now to the interview. I'm journalist Taylor Hudak, and today I'm in Reutlingen, Germany, at the Laboratory of Pathologist Professor Dr. Arne Burkhardt. Professor Burkhardt is a highly esteemed pathologist with more than 50 years' experience in the field. Since 2021, he has examined 75 autopsies in patients who died shortly after vaccination, as well as 41 biopsies in living persons to determine if the COVID-19 vaccinations caused either the death or disease in the patient. All right, Professor Arna Burkhart, it is my pleasure to be here in your lab today and to speak with you. I have been following your work very closely for the past year in particular. So why don't you just introduce yourself to the viewers, explain your credentials, your qualifications, as well as your contributions to the field of pathology. Well, first of all, of course, I would like to thank you for the opportunity to uh, talk to you and uh, for those people who are interested in this uh, field. Uh, well, as, I, as you said, uh, I've been uh, in the field of pathology for many, many years now. and. Uh, uh, many years also in scientific projects involved. Uh, the latest book has appeared in uh, just uh, last year, so uh, I think I'm still in the business, so to say. Actually, beginning of uh, 2021, I wanted to close this laboratory and go into retirement. And uh, just at that moment, the uh, uh, vaccination campaign started in Germany, and it uh, only took three months. Uh, that was in March uh, 21, that uh, the first reports came to me about serious side effects, and especially uh, uh, cases of people who died in timely connection with the vaccination. And uh, in most of these cases, even if uh, an autopsy was performed, it was stated, well, this was a natural death. And the uh, relatives were suspicious about this, and uh, they didn't accept this, because uh, usually these people were very healthy before vaccination. So they contacted me and uh, other pathologists uh, about uh, a second opinion. Now, a second opinion is something very uh, usual in oncology because uh, to type uh, a certain type of cancer, you uh, have many, sometimes many pathologists look at it and they have different opinions and so on. But in autopsy, usually the autopsy is considered something like a gold standard. Uh, if you do the autopsy and you have a result, you accept it and maybe only once a year it happened that somebody said, well, there's an autopsy and I don't believe the results. Please look at it. 
But uh, suddenly these were many, many uh, relatives that came to me and sometimes uh, also uh, attorneys who turned to me and asked if I was, would be willing to do this because uh, usually many other pathologists just refused this. And uh, actually I uh, said, well, I can look at five or six cases and uh, probably everything is okay and uh, this, will, this will be it. But uh, then I received the first five cases and uh, I saw things that were very unusual. And uh, lesions that I have not, had not seen before in this context. So uh, actually I contacted uh, other pathologists and uh, also um, uh, university institutes and asked them if they would continue this work and uh, take, take over my project because actually I didn't want to do uh, and, uh, this and go into retirement. But actually uh, some uh, of the pathologists that I contacted first said, well, yes, yes, we do it and we have some support from the government for these projects and we will do it. But after a while, when uh, uh, it should have been started, they, they uh, drew back and they said, well, we don't have, want to have anything to do with it. Please uh, leave us alone. So uh, I was forced to continue my work. And uh, as a consequence of our first uh, um, results, uh, luckily I had a second uh, experienced pathologist, Professor Lang from Hanover, who uh, helped me and who uh, was able to uh, uh, confirm what I saw. Of course, the initial diagnosis was either death caused by some natural causes or another cause. So how do you account for the discrepancy between your second opinion findings and the initial cause of death? Well, uh, as you said, there was a discrepancy in uh, Almost all of the cases that we saw, uh, the pathologist or the coroner who did the first auto the autopsy uh, claimed it was a natural cause of death or some stated it was unclear. Okay, that's uh, always a very honest diagnosis. The, the problem is that quality of autopsy as it is practiced uh, now in Germany, I think has a dramatically declined in the last years. When I learned pathology, this was the, the, the main focus of the Institutes of Pathology was uh, autopsy. But uh, now it's mostly bioptic diagnostic, which of course is also very important. But uh, pathologists have uh, lost the interest in autopsy and usually they just uh, they are satisfied if they find something plausible as a death. So if they see a discoloration of the heart muscle, well, this they say, well, this is an, an infarction of the heart. And if the person is older than 50 years, I mean, that's always plausible. And uh, so uh, uh, it is, uh, they no longer look for the causes behind what they see. I mean, uh, even in many cases, histology is not done. That means the uh, tissue is not examined in the microscope. And you cannot uh, make a diagnosis without 
uh, or not uh, many diagnoses you cannot make without uh, looking at the microscope. And that's what you did. You used histopathology, is that correct? Yes. And can you explain to us what that is? We will also show these images here uh, to help explain the use of histopathology. Yes, well, first of all, um, you take a small specimen from the tissue that you want to examine, and it has to be fixed because uh, it's, uh, it's soft and uh, you cannot cut it. And you have to uh, perform uh, very thin sections, uh, thousands of millimeters thickness. And if you put them on a glass slide so they are fixed, uh, then uh, they don't have any color at all. It, only few elements have color, like the red blood cells. That's why they are called red blood cells. But all the other cells are not, do not have any color. So you, you use special stains uh, to make uh, uh, structures visible. And there are two, two uh, ways to do this. One is uh, that you have uh, a chemical affinity uh, of the dye, and you see special structures. And the other thing is that you have antibodies that bind to certain proteins that you then see in what we call immunohistochemistry. Let's focus on this image here. This explains on the left, or it shows rather, unstained prostate gland tissue and kidney tissue. And then on the right, we see it labeled as HE stain. Can you just explain why you would use this method when examining a specimen? Well, actually, the H&E stain, which is hematoxylene eosine uh, abbreviation, uh, is a standard uh, uh, coloration or uh, stain uh, used in pathology. Uh, almost all examinations start with the H&E stain. So it's a very common practice to use this staining method. And does it help you differentiate between the different structures that you are looking at? Well, at most structures, at least. I'm just showing these images to the viewers now so they can be prepared for what they are about to see as we begin discussing your own work and the images from your studies. But if we could just take a look here at this next image, this is liver tissue stained with HE. Can you just describe why it is so useful to stain a specimen again with HE? Yes, while well, you see the uh, blue points, uh, these are the nuclei, as I said. and. Uh, they may be enlarged or there may be multiple nuclei in a cell. And then, of course, you see the cytoplasm, which is uh, clearly red here. And you can see that uh, there may be changes there too. There may be inclusions, there may be vacuoles, there may be foreign bodies in there. So you, all this you can see. That's it for today, everyone. Thank you all. And share this with other people if you found it important. Have a nice day. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready now, go get over, don't you? Step on my blue with a shoe. Well, you can do anything, but lay off for my blue with a shoe. Well, you can knock me down, step in my face, slander my name all over the place. I'll do anything that you want to do, but uh-uh, honey, lay off for my shoes, don't you? Devil, my blue play shoes. Well, you can do anything, but they hold my blue play shoes. Yeah.